0: Hosea chapter 9 this morning, continuing our series in the book, and um, we, we have Hosea, this prophet, trying to draw people back in. God's, God's got a message to, to the people, and Hosea's telling them, and it's kind of like they're not getting it. and uh, That's okay, uh, because we don't get it too, right? We miss it. We, we need to be reminded the whole thing. Um, and so uh, we're going to jump into Hosea chapter 9 this morning um, and look at, there's a, there's this little um, kind of thing that I saw this week looking at it about the future, um, about the future and about listening. And so if you get your outline, you look at the top, it says listening to future days. Um, so there's this idea of there's days in the future, but then there's listening now. And how do those play together? And um We'll take a look at that after we pray. Yeah. Lord, thanks for this morning. Thanks for uh, things like retreats. Thanks for your word, Sunday morning worship, singing, all the different ways that you draw our mind, you draw our attention back to yourself. And so I I pray, Lord, um, for those on retreat, for those remote uh, doing video this morning, uh, for those here present, uh, wherever we are, however we're pursuing you, Lord, um, that you draw us back to yourself. You'd show us what do we listen to today for the days to come. And uh, we pray for your, um, your blessing over this time and your word as we look at it. Pray you guide it with your spirit and that it would honor you and your son, Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right, let's 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 jump in. Uh, this is Hosea chapter 9, verse 1. Uh, Rejoice not, O Israel. Exalt not like the peoples, for you have played the whore, forsaking your God. You have loved the prostitutes' wages on all threshing floors. Verse 2. Threshing floor and wine vat shall not feed them, and the new wine shall fail them. Um, there's a thing going on here where it's saying, you, you know, you've kind of, you've gotten into a different pattern, um, and not not just a pattern, it's an everywhere pattern, it's like in all threshing floors, you you've started pursuing these other things to the point where that's become your focus, uh, it's, it's a, a statement about distraction, and it's interesting, that like the very next line, verse 2, it says, and, and guess what, it won't work. Um, you ever had a pursuit that failed you you tried to do something I know the the simplest one for me is I, I try to arrive at something on time and and there's a deadline and if you don't get there, you know within 15 minutes you miss the appointment or they close the door and they lock it you know whether it's a college class or a doctor appointment or whatever i I know sometimes like I get distracted the whole thing and then I'm chasing and and running and speeding and the whole thing and then, I'm late, and this whole pursuit of time and energy and focus is now lost. It didn't pay off. Uh, God's giving that message to these people, and what we're going to see in a little bit is because um, they've forgotten God, or they've just gotten busy. Um, forgotten is kind of almost too strong of a phrase. They just got busy, where, eh, I have other things to do. Um, that's the thing I think we have to be uh, cognizant of, paying attention. Um, uh, my, my brother-in-law is in the United States for the first time ever, right? So uh, last Sunday I brought him up and, and we interviewed him and the whole thing, and he's a supported missionary of the church and my sister was here and the whole thing. He's never been out of Africa, period. First time out of Africa, so obviously first time in the States, and you know he's here for a couple weeks, and I said, so what's it like? And he says, well, you know, and I can't really do his accent, I wish I could, but would never do it justice. Uh, I think the word is busy. What do you mean? Everything is busy. You know, in, in Malawi, where I'm from, it's much calmer. We spend time on the relationships and things like that. We're here, it's it's busy. We go from here to there. Even on the road, everything is busy. And i like, wow, picked it up like that. Uh, we have to be careful that the busy of what we do doesn't get in the way of the most important things. Right? I was in a different conversation with a different person. And they... We're saying, you know, with the schedule coming up and the calendar, like, what's the highest priority? And I remember thinking to myself, well, what are the high, what's the highest priority? Um, love the Lord your God, love your neighbor, I don't, I don't know, highest priority, how does that affect our current schedule? Because I think the question you want to ask is, what's the most immediate? Because there's a difference between highest priority and what's Immediate. And I would say let's have that discussion, because highest priority, oh, there's relationships and how do we love people and all that. I mean, those, those big overarching core values, biblical uh, doctrines and things like that. But in the immediate is, I got to make sure I have my paperwork done so, for my passport so that I can travel, because I want to go to a wedding, whatever. I have to get that done. And we have to be careful that in our pursuit of the immediate, we keep track of the priorities, the real priorities, right? Um, The new wine shall fail them. Verse uh, 3, they shall not remain in the land of the Lord. Uh Uh-oh, that sounds bad. But Ephraim shall return to Egypt, and they shall eat unclean food in Assyria. Um, Why would you return to Egypt? What's that a reference to? Didn't they come out of Egypt? Weren't they in slavery in Egypt? There was this whole book about it, actually, called Exodus, like, how do we exit Egypt? Um, why would we go back to that? We've moved on from God. We've distracted ourselves. We're doing our own thing. You're going to find yourself up, uh, back in slavery. And, and the other reference um, that we get here is, they shall eat unclean food in Assyria. Boy, if that isn't true, and I'm, I'm going to say something and you go, oh, of course, right? Who takes over after Assyria? Babylon, the Babylonians. Um, remember there was the Babylonian king and there was the four boys from Israel, right? Daniel, Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael. It's like, who are they? Well, you know of them, uh, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, because the king decided to change their name, but what God called them was Hananiah, Azariah, Mishael. And, and what was their discussion with the king? The food. Can we eat the kosher food? Can we eat the things that God's asked us to eat? We'll try to you know, do all of our responsibilities and submit to the king, even though he's foreign. But they're in a foreign land eating unclean food i trying to figure out how to manage that. Um, it kind of sends uh, like a, a side question that starts bubbling and growing to where it becomes the front question, the big question. This like, hey, um, what do you want to do right now so that you can be OK right now and you stay on the OK path? Rather than you don't pay attention to it right now, and it starts to bubble, bubble, and then now you're in a much worse position, uh, much more difficulty, and now you're trying to be in compliance, follow God, and man, if you had just done it over here, you wouldn't have found yourself in trouble over there. Um, I know I'm the only one that that happens to, right? No, apparently it's common because this is the experience they're having, and that's what Hosea and God are... Uh, telling Israel Ephraim to be careful about. "'They shall not pour drink offerings of wine to the Lord, and their sacrifice shall not please Him. It shall be like mourner's bread to them. All who eat of it shall be defiled, for their bread shall be for their hunger only. It shall not come to the house of the Lord.'" Uh, He's saying, you're going to get to a place either where you can't sacrifice because you don't have anything to sacrifice, you've run out of wine, or you don't even have bread, or when you bring it, you bring it for the wrong reasons and it's not really consecrated. It's not really holy. Um, You're just going through steps. Um, Any guesses on whether a pastor's ever met Christians who are just jumping through hoops and playing the game, faking their way through? Absolutely. I usually end up in a Pete's coffee shop across the table because they're crashing or stuck and they want a quick fix. Or And it's, um, no, that's not how it works. You turn to the Lord right now and you get on that path to getting back to where um, you have enough bread that it has value beyond just your hunger. I love this phrase. The second one uh, up there, it says, for their bread shall be For their hunger only. I thought, well, what what else would bread be for? They're making a reference to the idea that sometimes they would take bread and use it as sacrifice, right? It's about all they have. I hey, I don't have much. I don't have animals. I'm poor, but I can grab some grain and add some water, and I can bake something. And boy, that's all I have. I can give of what I have to the Lord. It became like a sacrifice type thing. But the more I was thinking about it, you know, even for us, we don't sacrifice bread anymore, right? We had an ultimate sacrifice on the cross, and he said it was a finished, and we're playing a new game since then. But today when we do bread, is bread for you more than just hunger? Well, I'm hungry, so I need some meat, I'll have some bread. Yeah, but you realize more than just the sensation of the hunger, what does that bread do for you? It gives you nutrition, and it sets you up to, be, to have energy and be able to have another experience later that may have nothing to do with bread or food even. But it puts you in a position for future. What we do now sets us up for future. It's an interesting little concept because we're going to see it a couple different ways in the passage um, as I keep going and talking about different types of things. Verse 5, and, and really here's where we start to point at it. Okay, because your title says listening to future days. Here comes the, the future days part. All right, we'll see the listening later. Verse five, what will you do on the day of the appointed festival and on the day of the feast of the Lord? Ooh, you know, maybe we're saving our bread. We're not eating all of it now. We want some of it for that day. Apparently there's a party coming. Are you, are you ready for happy Sunday? There's a party coming. Do you, you, you know this? This is what we're prepping for. Uh, part of the value of bread is just to keep you sustained long enough to get to party day. Because there's, there's a day of appointed festival. Is that, is that bad? In any way? Well, maybe. I mean, if I eat too much, I might have a food coma. right? And if that's your biggest first world problem, then praise God for you. right? But there's meant to be fun in the future. Future fun time right? Day of a feast, party and a meal. He says, what are you going to do on that day? Why ask that question? I mean, it's pointing us in a direction of be prepared for it. Why ask that question now? Like, I like to pursue life this way many times and probably to demise. Hey, don't worry about it. We'll figure it out when we get there. Hey, well, what are we going to do about such and such? I don't know. When we get there, We'll get there with people and resources, we'll just solve it. We'll evaluate it then and do something about it then. For all of you, type A, organized, administrative type, what's the problem with my plan when I do that? This is the interactive portion of the morning, by the way. People at home, feel free to answer out loud. What's the problem with my plan of, ah, we'll figure it out when we get there? Because there is no plan, and we have no plan There is no plan, right? Uh, There's there's a flip side to this whole thing. If you plan for nothing, you'll get nothing, right? And the question here that Hosea asked on behalf of God to the people, meant for us as well, is, are you looking forward to that day beyond just your anticipation? Is there more than your anticipation working towards these future days. Well, what do you mean? More than, I mean, I'm excited about it, and that's anticipation, I guess. Um, am I supposed to get, like, really anxious about it? No, no, we'd be anxious for nothing. Then what's your prep? What we're going to see from Hosea is this idea of, well, how are you living now? Because how you're living now might actually... Hasten the day? Have you heard this phrase, hasten the day? What's that? If you hasten the day, what'd you do? Uh, I, don't, I don't know. I, I learned English, hopefully. <laughs> if I say hasten the day, um, it means you're bringing the day closer. You're going to hit the day sooner. When is appointed festival and, a, and day of feast? When, when are those days? Could those be Today? Say yes right? two of you are going to have a great day. the rest of you are going to be wandering going I'm not really sure um, there's there's this idea of what if you live today like it was festival day feast day and start to figure out what are the patterns what 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 preoccupies my time on the day of the Lord and what if I practiced preoccupy my mind with those things today. I start to live like a future day. It's a great fun question uh, because it's a happy, and you know, let's be honest, since chapter two, chapter three in beyond and beyond in Hosea, kind of dark, right? I mean, if you're planning a sermon series and you get out this book and you start reading as well, there's a lot of good narrative in the first two chapters. And then after that, every chapter looks the same, kind of. How are we going to read that and pull different things out of it? Uh, very carefully, because this is right kind of in the middle of this passage. Is it pointing to happy? It sure is. We can miss that when it starts talking about you played the whore and you played the harlot and you you wasted all your stuff on the threshing floor and wow, that sounds dark. Well remember there's always two sides. And the good always outweighs the bad in God's economy. Amen? Yeah, that's almost like a write it down. The good almost The good always outweighs the bad in God's economy. Uh, That's verse 5. Verse 6, For behold, they are going away from destruction. But Egypt shall gather them. Memphis shall bury them. Nettles shall possess their precious things of silver. Thorns shall be in their tents. They, They think they're headed the right direction. Eh, we'll solve it later. But, in the direction that they're heading, they're slowly letting things creep in, right? Little, net, little nettles on the, on the silver, right? That doesn't happen overnight. Happens over time. Uh, verse 7, the days of punishment have come. The days of recompense have come. Israel shall know it. Uh-oh. How many people like these future days? Like, No? Do we want to go back to the previous future days? Let's go back to day of festival and day of feast. Right? We get two. We get two verses down to verse seven, and and we get the truth, the reality. Check. There's two types of days in our future. Listen to both. <laughs> no, shouldn't we? Shouldn't we just listen to the good ones and just go towards it? Yes. But why should we listen to the bad ones? Why listen to bad days in the future? You know what it looks like. You know what it sounds like. You know what it smells like. And you know what to avoid. Yeah? You ever open the refrigerator... And the moment you pull that piece of food out of there, you think to myself, "Nope, not today." How do you know? You have, you, have, you have smell. You might smell it before you see it, or you might see it before you smell it, and you look and you, oh no, something's not right here. Uh, in, in the odd chance that it looks fine and smells okay, but then you look at the expiration date, that's another clue, right? We have to recognize both the good and the bad. It's for discernment. Um, It's the knowledge of good and evil. Right? Remember back to the very beginning of the book? Don't eat from that one tree. Knowledge of good and evil. By the way, men's ministry, Monday night, that's what we've been going through. All the biblical uh, characteristics of a man from the very beginning of the book. Monday night, 7 o'clock, porkies. It's amazing. Chicken wings and Jesus right? Maybe pizza, but for for sure, Jesus. Uh, We were looking at that passage just this last week. Uh, Set a record, 17 guys on a Monday night, crazy, in public, talking about Jesus, right? And no one flogged us. It was amazing, (laughs) right? No, Um, but this idea, hey, you're in the garden, you got one rule, knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat that fruit. Um, what they do again? Yeah, and now the knowledge of good and evil is out there. And it's amazing what's said then. Now they become like one of us, knowing the difference between good and evil. Let's take them out of the garden, lest they eat from the tree of life and live forever with this knowledge of good and evil. We know how to sin. We know what bad looks like. Uh, guess what? We're still in that era where we're trying to make sure we're discerning between the two and we're praying for the day when God eliminates one of them, right? But we have to be able to discern between the two. They haven't been, but you can. It's great news. These days of punishment have come, the days of recompense, and and they're going to know it. How are they going to know it? They're going to experience it, right? They know the good and the bad. They're monitoring both, and they're picking the wrong one. You ever picked the wrong horse in a race? (gasps) Are you promoting, uh, promoting horse racing and betting in the church? Yeah, sure, why not? You ever bet on a horse and it didn't come in? And no, I'm not talking about horse racing and betting. You make an investment, you invest in a relationship, you put time and energy into something, and you get nothing from it? Went to the family cabin with dad one time. It was just the two of us. We're trying to weed eat, and the weed eater gets broken. It's all stuck in the whole thing. We invested like four hours. Took that thing apart, pulled all the pieces, figured out what we needed, went down to the hardware store, came back, put it all back together, grease it, plug it in, turn it on, use it for 60 seconds, and what happened? Bam! (laughs) Falls apart. Four hours. $22 in parts, and what did we get from it? Time together. That's what we got. We got to recognize sometimes when you're, when you're throwing resources after a lost cause, uh, there's only one cause that always pays off and is undefeated. What's that? No, reality. What? I thought the answer was supposed to be Jesus. Well, yes, but there's a broader answer. Reality. Have you ever, you ever fought with reality? You ever had an argument with reality? And, and who wins those, by the way? Reality. reality always wins. I was thinking about this week. I had a discussion with somebody else, and, and the idea came up. Uh, reality is undefeated. What we love about Jesus is his 100% cooperation, compliance, and control of reality. Him on the cross, he knows exactly what's going on. Prior to the cross, after the cross, today, he is 100% in control of reality. In fact, reality might be one of the tools he uses to be undefeated himself. Wow, Scott, this is way too deep of thinking. All right, welcome inside my brain and behind the curtain. We're going to know reality. Just like Israel is going to know reality. And here's the problem we have. It's the same problem they had. We want to shape it rather than enjoy it. We want to manipulate it rather than look for it. Experience it. Let it happen. At what point do you stop trying to change your kid? Control your spouse. You know, if they would just, "Ah," how about you just take them the way they are? You know, my boss was, no, 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 how about your boss is, why? Because God made them that way and put you in that environment. How about you figure out how to be in the reality of what that is? Where you live, where you spend your time, what you do with your money, what goes in your mind, in your mouth, what you do with your body. Whoa. Whoa. Because reality gets us, I think, back on track with Jesus, with God. Hey, let me, he's saying there's days coming and, uh, and right now you're in this condition and uh, you're not ready. I went not exercised yesterday. I know we, we're going to talk about sin right now. OK, <laughs> um, I haven't really exercised in two years. Like when pandemic hit. I went on a soccer hiatus, and it's, it's not good. So uh, some of the guys I used to play, an email goes out and blah, blah, blah. We're going to have a little pickup game just for fun. Nothing serious, no referees, just a little exercise, right? Now, you get a bunch of competitive men on a Saturday morning out in the, under the sun, and what happens? They start trying, right? Here's the thing. Um, my body, in two years... Hasn't done anything like that. None of you know this, but I'm barely standing right now. It was like maybe an hour. We took a nice long break in the middle, and reality started knocking on the door saying, Hey, buddy, there's some, there's some things that haven't been going on that could have been going on, and you can't do what you think you used to be able to do, and this is going to turn out differently than you think. So, do you want to be able to play in the future? Because you got some work to do. There, I turned soccer into a religious uh, analogy. Uh, Verse eight, let's keep going, Uh, or the end of verse seven. The prophet is a fool. That's ironic. Prophet's supposed to be the one who knows God's mind and speaks clearly on behalf of God, right? So how, how could the prophet be a fool? Man of the spirit is mad, following the spirit, and he's probably following the wrong spirit. That's why he looks like he's mad. Because of your great iniquity and great hatred, this turning from God. The prophet is the watchman of Ephraim with my God. Verse 8, yet a fouler snare is on all his ways and hatred in the house of his God. They have deeply corrupted themselves, As in the days of Gibeah. Oh, here's our days reference again. He will remember their iniquity. He will punish their sins. Like grapes in the wilderness, I found Israel. Like the first fruit of the fig tree in its first season, I saw your fathers. But they came to Baal Peor and consecrated themselves to the thing of shame. They set aside themselves for something other than God. This consecrated uh, word, I know you use it like every other sentence uh, when you're out on the street and stuff. Um, This idea to set something apart for special purpose. Uh, Do you know that that is your nature? All of us, we're consecrators. Uh, Is that a good thing or a bad thing, Scott? It depends. You're either going to set aside the pursuit of something good or God, or you might set aside time and, and money and your attention and I can't wait till I get to and you set, a self, set aside something, most likely yourself, for something that won't pay off or drags you from God or just gives you a little bit of blinder where, oh, I can't, I can't see him anymore. I'm just going to keep doing this thing. And became detestable like the thing they loved. They consecrated themselves uh, to the thing of shame. So they set aside something to pursue it. And then watch what happens in the next sentence. And then they became it. You set aside to pursue something, and, and then you start to become it. They became detestable like the thing that they loved. Ooh. Now, this sounds really dark and bad, right? Bomber Sunday. Let's flip it. If you were to set aside yourself for God and pursue God, would you become like the thing that you pursue? We're consecrators. We have future days coming and how we carry ourselves now puts us in a position to become something. Because here's the thing. Consecrators become What they consecrate. Whoa. Now, this makes a lot of sense for you. A workout person becomes a workout person, right? What do they look like? They will look like a workout person. They're all muscular and the whole thing, and they can run for way too long, and none of us like them, right? Because we feel jealous. Um, Let's do the other analogy. A foodie starts to look like a foodie. Right? If they really like food, it starts to look like they really like food. And if that's all they pursue after a while, well, you let them pick the sauces and the spices because they're good at it. Right? I got to be careful what we pursue, what we consecrate, set aside, because we will become it. Verse 13, uh, 11 Ephraim's glory shall fly away like a bird no birth, no pregnancy, no conception. Ooh. This is, um, this is uh, condemning, right? No birth means you go through the whole process, and at the very end, something goes wrong. It says, yeah, you're not going to have that. In fact, you're not even going to have the preven- uh, pregnancy. You're not you're not going to carry to term. You're not going to carry for a couple terms. In fact, you're not going to carry at all because guess what? You're not even going to have conception. Ooh. Now, folks, this is kind of funny, okay? Let's just go back and remember how the book started. The pursuit of sexual things outside the marriage, that's sex. And he says, you're going to go after certain things and consecrate to the point where you won't even be having sex anymore. The thing that you thought you were pursuing, now you don't even have. Whoa. Uh, because nothing is everlasting except for God Himself. It's interesting, or you, you pursue something so much and you become it, but you don't experience it. Whoa. Your people um, with addictions talk about how they get farther and farther into it, and it's not satisfying, and so they go farther. Why? Because it's they they're looking for satisfaction, and it's any any type of addiction. When it becomes a thing that you consecrate, you become it and it fails you. Sad. Um, Except in the Jesus thing, right? When we pursue that and pursue that and pursue that, we become it and it's the only thing that pays off. Love that. Uh, Verse 12, even if they bring up children, I will bereave them till none is left. Woe to them when I depart from them. Yikes. When I depart from them, I say it a lot. You you tell God you don't want him around, he'll believe you. That's a tough one. Verse 13, Ephraim, as I have seen, was like a young palm planted in a meadow, but Ephraim must lead his children out to slaughter. And the sadness uh, for all this is it becomes true. Israel ends up being lost. You know, we only keep the two tribes in the south. Verse 14, give them, O Lord, what will you give? It's almost like he stops mid sentence Give them, O Lord, wait, what will you give them? We're getting to a place where we're not even sure how to pray. Give them a miscarrying womb and dry breasts. Can't have kids, can't have sex. If you do have kids, you can't take care of them. It's almost like God saying, I have to get your attention somehow. And the things that I've designed to have purpose, I will remove the purpose. In fact, I will remove myself from you. So there's nothing to look at anymore other than turning back to me. Verse 15, every evil of theirs is in Gilgal. There I began to hate them because of the wickedness of their deeds. I will drive them out of my house. I will love them no more. (gasps) I thought God is love. Isn't Isn't that a verse and a song? Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and anyone that loveth is born of God. And knoweth God, he that love is not. Mm-mm. Knoweth not God, for God is love. Hey, God is love. Yeah. Right? I will love them no more. What's going on here? You don't love God. You want him out of your life. He'll believe you. Now, he still love you. Yeah. But you have an unloving experience. All their princes are rebels. Ephraim is stricken. Their root is dried up. They shall bear no fruit. Even though they give birth, I will put their beloved children to death. <laughs> Wait, it's gone. this is Bomber Sunday. It's just getting worse. Right? Why? How? What's going on here? Verse 17, here's the end. And this is where we get the rest of our title for the morning. My God will reject them because they have not, what? Listen. Listened. We got all this talk of future days, and then it says listened, past tense. The implication of listening now, present tense. How do we do this thing? This Christian thing, this, this church people thing, this following of Jesus, how, how this Bible thing, how do, how do we do fellowship service, all the different... How do you do that? It's current listening. And what are we listening to? We're listening to the idea that there are future days coming. And we should be making our current days and our listening consecrated towards the set of future days that he wants for us. Because right? they have not listened to him. They shall be wanderers among the nations you don't listen, you end up lost. Now flip that positive. If you listen, what do you get? You're lost? No, you're found. You're on the right track. You're on a map. You're headed to a destination. Well, may the Lord bless the reading of his word. Amen? Uh, 17 verses. Uh, let's, let's pull uh, a couple things here. I, I kind of noticed a progression um, this week and, and kind of want to draw attention to that. Um, the first piece of that is really this idea that God has your today to prepare you for the day to come, whatever that day is. Well, there's, there's two types of days. There was good ones and bad ones. Remember, there was destruction, and then there was day of feast and festival. Which one? How about he's preparing you for both? To avoid one and experience the other. Miss out on one and get a full dose of the other. How does he do that? Practice. practice. God drops little things in your today. You know that? That he's, he's still pulling strings, still has influence. He puts stuff in your daily, in your today, on purpose, many times costly, inconvenient, mysterious. Why does he do that? Well, he's mean and likes to mess with me. Maybe. I doubt it. He does that with me because it works with me and I appreciate it. I actually enjoy it because it gets my attention faster and more focused. My guess is he's probably more loving with you. And he drops things in your day that are applicable to you that are within your style or your range. It has to be for more than just getting your attention. Just, I want you to practice thinking like this, adjusting, doing these things. Why? Uh, because there's days to come. And I want you to be ready for all of them. You got lost in your future? You got anybody um, that you love that's alive? Oh, you do? Guess what? You have lost in your future. You have anybody uh, alive that you love? Um, then you got joy in your future, right? There's probably going to be like a graduation or a wedding or a birth or a vacation. Or... How do you prep for the joy and the loss? Both. We listen today to what God puts in, in front of us and we practice how, how we're doing today. It sets us up for the days that come. Um, and if that's true, therefore... Then God wants to choose what you set aside. The word in the passage was consecrate. What do you protect? God wants to choose what you protect, what you set aside, what you consecrate, what you define, what core values you set, what you will not negotiate. You ever heard of boundaries? How are you at boundaries? What do boundaries do? What do boundaries do? They cut me off from stuff and I feel cheated. No. Boundaries help you recognize reality. What is going on? Certain things work, certain things don't work at some point you got to set aside the stuff you're going to pursue and the stuff you're going to avoid the things you're going to plan for and the things that you're going to ah we'll figure it out when we get there and he wants to choose what those things are how do you let him choose um I don't know could you give me the like three step plan yes I can ask him. Get around some people that also ask him, and then watch it play out. There you go. There's your three steps. Hey God, what do I do about this scenario I'm in or about to be in? Here's how I feel about it. Here's what I'm afraid of. Here's what I think might be a solution. Here's some people I could involve in it. God, what do you think about those things? Do I run from this? Do I run into this? Do I stand on the side? Do I help a little? Do I help a lot? Qué dices, Dios? What do you What do you say, God? And then get around some other people who ask similar questions. Do you you know why we do church? To love Jesus and to pray and sing worship songs. Yes. Why? Because we get around those that do. Bible calls it fellowship, and we've cheapened it as Christians and turned that into socializing. Now, let me tell you something about this, though. You know what the socializing does? You become what you consecrate. Remember the passage? When you socialize with certain types of people, it starts to rub off. You start to think and ask the same types of questions of God, or you don't talk to him at all because they don't. you're, You're becoming Christian by osmosis, by rubbing shoulders. Wait, my shoulder could help me be Christian? Yeah, go get shouldered up with someone else and do some stuff that... Vaguely Christian and see what happens as you pursue that and be around them. And then watch God start to drop little things into your day that are answers to the things you've been asking, wondering, fearing, excited about. And, and then he'll, he'll start to mess with you. Probably like he does with me and you'll enjoy it. Oh, he's paying, she's paying attention. Sweet. Let's have some fun. Here, let's drop some bigger stuff. Bam! Oh, look at the splash that made. She'll be fine. Right? Uh, So, we uh, we have, uh, God has our today to prepare for the day to come because, therefore, He wants to choose what what we set aside because we're going to become it. And then lastly, uh, so that God wants to develop your listening, leading to... Direction. What are you listening to? What's the loudest voice in your life? For them. Some of their pursuits got loud and they started doing the things they wanted to do and that's said, we'll figure out a solution for how we make that work. We'll build some altars in some high places. We'll skip going to Jerusalem from now on. We're not going to worry about sacrifices. And they got to the point where bread just became bread. Because they let the the wrong things be the loudest voices. That last verse, verse 17, is amazing because they no longer listen. God's alive and well, he's not done yet. In fact, I think he's ramping up. There's a real big party coming and he's doing tons of prep work. Lots of decorations for this party, by the way. Great meal and he's working towards it. He's dropping things all the time in our days. The question is how much are we listening to that? Or how much are we ignoring it because we're just doing self? Um, How do you listen? I think it goes back to that same three-step process. Start figuring out what you need to ask for. What you need to acknowledge. Hey, I'm thankful for the position I am in. God, now what do you want to do with me? And then get around some other people who are listening. Start making some stuff up. The fancy word for that is experimenting. Right? Come up, come up with some premonitions about God and then test them. Ask them deep questions about it. And then wait. One of the best ways to listen is time. See what happens over time. you know the boys had to use time as a listening tool because on a thursday night and a friday night they watched their lord and savior say things and then have things done to him that they thought meant it was over and then on the third day they had to remember what he had said remember so i am Things are going to happen in a day that can and will define you, depending on how you respond to it. But let the time play out. Are you going to be fine five years from now? One of you will be fine five days from now five hours from now. Um, you know We can't predict anything other than God will be involved dropping things and we can listen to him. And we say, all right, how do I do that? Uh, when do I know when, where I stay and where I go? What I withhold and what I jump into? Maybe that's your prayer this morning. God, I want to start listening. If you never started a relationship with the Lord, maybe maybe that's the first prayer. Hey, um, I have no idea the future days, but I want my future days to be with you. Maybe that's your prayer. From this day forward, I want to be part of that it is finished thing that Jesus did on the cross. Where it proved that he loved them. And then I want to have an experience with you where I pursue you, listen to you, invest my days in future days to the point where you remain with me. And I can start experiencing your love in all the different little ways. And you take all the noise out so that I can listen. And for some of you, there, there's just some, there, there's some loud voices you've got to start ignoring. Or telling no. You ever had to say no? Get, get good at it. No is an amazing word, especially for loud voices that are wrong or evil. you got to be able to stand up and say, nope, not today. Whatever your prayer is, say it today. Amen. Lord, thanks for this morning. Uh, Thanks for the idea that we do have the ability to listen to you, that you are still saying things that they're appropriate, they're timely, they're specific to us. I love the idea this morning that uh, you speak in different ways to different people in ways that make sense to them, and I, I pray, Lord, that we would chase that, consecrate ourselves, set our ourselves aside for that, to be able to hear you. And then, Lord, uh, that you might define draw our attention, block us, protect us, focus us. We thank you, Lord, and are just in awe of how perfectly your Son manifested these things. He let his day be defined and he listened to what future days needed. And on a Friday, he had Sunday in mind. I imagine, Lord, that in many ways, he had today in mind. And he let you as the Father define for him what he listened to. In spite of trouble and tribulation. Pray, Lord, for those that are um, this morning asking those kind of questions give them the right questions, and Lord, give them the right answers. We thank you for the offering that we're about to receive. Pray you bless it. Thanks for our women off at retreat, Lord. And we pray this in your son's name. Amen.